Uh, we talked about prophecy and tongues and, and, and the role that they play in our church. And then we talked about the root of everything where Paul opens up that discussion and says, but remember this, the greatest thing you could do is take on the posture of love. And that it, when, when we meet together, we love one another. That means that there's, there's grace. We receive grace. We pray for each other. We get pictures. We, we speak on God's behalf. And so today we continue on and we're going to talk about grow. It's the G series. It's gather, grow, go. Uh, so it's, it's, it's brought to you by the letter G if we're watching Sesame Street. And so gather, grow, go. So today we're going to talk about gather. So we've come to Christ. Now what? What do we do next? So if you pray with me. And then we'll, we'll get going. Father, we thank you that uh, we can come, uh, we can gather. Lord, we, we do thank you for the change outside. It's, it's wet now, and two weeks ago we were inhaling smoke. And so, God, we thank you for the change, the break. Uh, we thank you for the newness of season. We thank you for uh, the group of women that are up at, at Malibu or on their way back to right now, and the guys that went to go help out. Lord, we uh, give them safe travels. Uh, Lord, we pray that those relationships that were formed up there would, would bond and uh, community would be had. Lord, we pray that you were experienced in that place. So God, we pray for this moment. Holy Spirit, would you do your, do your thing? Would you work through us? Would you teach us? Would you show us your, your word? Show us the scriptures today. Amen. We had a big week at the Thayer household. Uh, Judah went to school. Judah's two and a half, and he went to two-year-old school, so he's the oldest kid in the class, which means he's the biggest, just don't mess with him. Uh, but he went to school, and it was the weirdest thing. Here he is in, in the back of my car telling me everything he's going to do at school, and he has no idea what he's going to do at school, because he's never been to school. And then we, get, I, we drop him off, and, and it was like he didn't even care. And he grabbed his backpack, and we put it on him, and took off. We're like, all right, well, see you later, kid. And then we walked him into the classroom. He had a great time. And then later that night, we had another uh, pivotal moment in Judah's development. We put him in a big boy bed, which was hard. Because you see this little tiny body in this twin-size mattress, and he can lay lengthwise, or lay across it, and he doesn't even take it up. But it was time. We have number two coming in October, so it's like, get, let's push him up to the next thing. But Carrie and I are experiencing this thing of parenthood where we watch kids grow up. And it's the first time we've done it. Those of you who have been parents for a while get it. Uh, some of you who are not parents right now, or, and, and you will be, you'll get it. Uh, but it's this like, wow, he's getting older. And, and he's developing. And little boy Judah is no longer little boy Judah. Now he's little dinosaur Judah or puppy Judah, whatever he wants to be. But he's no longer little. He's growing, which is a good thing, right? Growing is a good thing. Everybody grows. And when we don't grow, usually there's a problem. Growth is expected. We have growth charts. That healthy things grow is something that Bethany will say over and over again. If something's healthy, it'll keep growing. And everything we have in our world starts out small and, 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 and grows. A seed starts out very, very tiny. Put it in the ground, and what's it do? If, if I didn't plant it, if somebody else planted it, it would grow into something. It grows. Puppies are small, and then they become full-grown dogs. Uh, businesses will start small and then grow. Things grow. Bethany Ballard began as a sketch pad, or a Richard Dahlstrom sketch pad at Razzie's Pizza eating gl a gluten-free scone, and it start, or a gluten-free calzone, whatever it was. And, and it started there, and it's grown. And healthy things do that. Growth is normal. 
Growth is something that we all should be doing. It doesn't matter if you're old or young. We're all growing some way or another. You're a different person today than you were a month ago. You've probably learned something, hopefully. And take that back three, four years ago. You're a different person today than you were three or four years ago. You've grown, which is a good thing. However, the church, for most of what I can remember, has ignored or doesn't really mention growth enough. Uh, in high school, when I, when, uh, I was going through that phase, we had this, uh, the whole thing that the church was focused on, at least my church, was a conversion experience. Come to Jesus, have that experience, meet Jesus, get saved, bring your friends, but there was never anything beyond that. They were all about this one-time decision. Save your butt from hell, pretty much was it, is what it was. Find your ticket, get your ticket into heaven, and then just sit on the bus stop and wait for the bus to come and get you. In other words, wait till you die. There was nothing past that. There was no, great, you've met Jesus, now it's time to grow in Jesus. Their discipleship wasn't there. It was forgotten about. And what happened is if you look back on my friends, their focus was all so much on death that it was this cheap kind of grace where it's like, I'm, I'm in, I'm going to heaven, I don't have to go to hell, now I'm just going to sit here and do whatever I want. And that's where their faith stopped. And then after high school, into college, and even some after college, they would experience a hard time in life. And just like Jesus' parable in Luke, their roots weren't in the ground and the winds blew and the storms came and their seed was uprooted, and they walked away from the faith. When we come to Jesus, there is an expectancy of growth. Healthy things grow, and it's crucial to our relationship with Christ that we develop, that we keep growing, that we keep learning and keep exploring Jesus. Today, I want to look at two questions. One is, should we grow? Does the Bible say something about growing? What, what is said about growing? And the second question we have is, great, now how do we grow? The Bible talks about growing. In the New Testament, there's this word that pops up 17 times. 17 is my favorite number. It was my number all the way through, except for in football, I had number 17. It, so it's, it's there. So when I saw that this word showed up 17 times, it's like, great, we're going to geek out on the word 17, on the 17 mentioned word, because... It must mean something. 17 is a prime number. It's only mentioned in the New Testament. And it, 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 this word is it's important. Uh, let's see if you can find it. It's always used in the context of growth. And so Joel just read it. I want to see if you can find it. We'll, we'll take a quiz after this. Ephesians 4.11. So Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, and the evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in faith and in knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So, where's the word? Equipped. Unity. Knowledge. What was this? Attaining. The word mature. Oh, yes. You didn't say it loud enough. You weren't sure? It's the word mature. It shows up 17 times in the Greek, and we're going to get a little Greek nerd. It means it's the word teleos, not television, teleos. It's the idea of something starting and completing, 
But it's not necessarily the completion that's important. The word mature here is an ongoing process of maturing. It never stops. It's the, it's the perfect participle. This is where my grammar, not paying attention to high school, doesn't really help. But it's always happening. It's sort of like when you ring a bell and walk away and you can still hear the bell as you walk away from it. Or if you walk by a flower bush and you smell, wow, that lavender is powerful, yet you're 20 yards away and you're still smelling it. It's the idea that it has here. It's always happening. Maturity is always taking place. And it's implying something that we don't really look at when, we come to, when it comes to following Jesus, especially in our culture. We like to finish projects. We like to do one trip to Home Depot, fix it all, get back, it's done. Now I'm going to put my feet up and watch USC lose again. That's what we think about when we talk about maturing. We want it to be finished. We want one-time things. But teleos is different. And so when Paul says in Ephesians 4 that we may become mature, it's not that you become mature after you hit a certain age or point. No, it's an ongoing maturing process. In other words, it's not calling you to master something. It's not calling you to complete it. Instead, it's more of, I'm inviting you on this journey of maturing yourself. I'm inviting you to come and explore and experience who Christ is. This is what we're called to do. He's gifted us in order that we can do good things so that we would grow, that we would mature in our lives. Here's how he uses it in other other passages. See if you can find this one. Not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. Where is it? Yes, it's Philippians 3.12. Smart guy. Where's mature or where's teleos? Up here. Goal? No? No? Obtained. Who said obtained? You get a donut. They're in the back. Obtained. Not that I've already obtained this. I'm still working at it. It's not ending. I'm still pressing on. It's the form of teleos, which means I'm going to reach after this. And he's not going to ever obtain it all. It's a process of pushing forth. Paul talks about here leading up to it. He's already been saved. There's nothing he can do. It says in Philippians 1.6, as he's reaching this point of the letter, that Christ has started the work. So Christ is at work, in work in Paul when he's writing this. He's at work in the Philippian church. He's at work in you. Spirit's moving in you. You are moving towards something, and you will always be moving towards it. And if Paul says he hasn't taken a hold of this, and he's Paul, chances are we haven't taken a hold of it. So we keep maturing. We keep going. It's not just a one-time thing for us. Decision to Christ is not just a one-time thing. Can you imagine if you treated your relationships as a one-time experience? Let's say a marriage. You go, you get engaged, you, you, you walk down the aisle, you say you do, and all your vows, the person sings, there's an announcement, you kiss, and then your relationship stops. No more pursuing, no more talking, no more intimacy. What kind of marriage is that? Even if you're not married, you could look at it and go, that sounds like a disaster. Because everything is based around this one-time experience and nothing grows or there's no fruit from this. That kind of marriage is ridiculous. 
You spend the rest of your life not knowing or getting to know the other person. Really, marriage is the beginning of a whole new phase of your relationship. Now is the time where you grow, where you learn more about the other person. Sadly, for many Christians, including myself at times, this exemplifies our relationship with Christ. We don't grow when we should be growing. We reduce it to a one-time decision or we reduce it to a one-time experience and then we feed off that experience rather than having ongoing fillings, ongoing uh, experiences with Christ. We, we resolve to that one. This is exactly what the writer of Hebrews was talking about. Hebrews is a fascinating book. It's read like a sermon. It is a sermon that they've written down. It's just scripted. If you were to start in Hebrews and go all the way to the end and read it out loud, it'll probably take you around 35 to 40 minutes like a sermon. Hopefully I'll be shorter than that, but it'll go about that long. So it's a, it's a letter in a sermon form to a group of people. Uh, we don't know who they were, where they were. It's just a letter to the Hebrews. And it says this in, in chapter 5. Paul, or the, the writer of Hebrews is saying this. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching of righteousness. But solid food is for the mature. There's that word again. Teleos. Who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. The people in, that this letter, this sermon's written towards are, are experiencing some opposition on all sides. They're being persecuted. And some of them have decided that because of the persecution, they're just going to leave Christ altogether. So they're, he calls them in chapter 7, they're falling away. And it says because, the, and, and this is the reason why, you're not pursuing this anymore. You've stopped pursuing Christ. You have settled for milk instead of solid food. You are malnourished. And because of this, your faith isn't maturing. It's not growing. And the word is teleos. Are we maturing? So the answer here is obvious. Yes, we should keep growing. Yes, you're, it's an ongoing relationship with Christ that keeps bearing fruit after fruit. We keep exploring. We keep pushing. We keep discovering but there's some things that we need to keep in mind when we are growing or in our relationship with Christ. First thing is teleos is a process. It's a day-by-day process. It's not something where you're going to wake up tomorrow morning and go, oh, I feel mature. It doesn't happen that way. How many of you, when you woke up when you were a year older, actually felt a year older? No, rarely. Unless it's the 21, then you start feeling real old then. But it's, once you get older, it's not something that you feel different tomorrow. It's an ongoing process. Some days it might feel when you look back and go, wow, I'm totally different. Other days you might look back and say, it doesn't feel like I've changed at all. But it's key to remember this because when we start thinking about growth, we start putting pressure on ourselves and then we start guilting ourselves. I'll never be growing. I'm not growing fast enough. I should be here. I should be there. I shouldn't have this problem anymore. Growing's a process. It's a long process. It's slow. It's steady. Slow and steady wins the race. Uh, I was talking about this with Carrie, and she said, it reminds me of that joke. How do you eat an elephant? 
one bite at a time to get through the whole elephant. It's slow. It's hard. There's steps forward. There's steps back. There's times where it's idle, but you're constantly moving. The other day we were on a, uh, on a ferry and uh, a big old, oh, one of those cargo boats, whatever they're called, freighters, came down. The thing was enormous. And we're watching it. It barely looked like it was moving. But then as we watched it more, it is moving so fast. It's just so big that it's hard to tell that it's moving at all. And then I remembered one time, and I think I've shared this story before, when you fly into Seattle and you see all of them coming in because you're at a different altitude, you see how far they've traveled. They aren't the fastest boats in the world. They're kind of slow, but they're steady, and they move. So is our faith. It's a process. It's slow and steady. It keeps moving. The other thing to think about growth is when we do grow, it's relative, It's a long road, and we're going to grow at different paces because we have different starting points and different experiences and different upbringings, and we've had various steps along the way, and we grow at different speeds. It's okay. Some of you are are, are growing faster than other people, or it seems like you are. However, the goal isn't to grow at the same pace. The goal is simply that we grow and so some of us have a struggle, and, and it's, it, maybe it's something like, I've been experiencing this hardship in my faith for years, and I still have yet to master it. And others, you look at them and go, they've already mastered that? It's okay. Keep pushing. The problem is when we begin to compare our faith to other people's faith, and we're at the start, and they're at the middle, or we're at the middle, and they're at the end, and we start thinking and being discouraged that we'll never, ever reach anything. I remember looking at my dad and uh, when he was getting sick and the end was coming and I remember watching his relationship with Jesus and I said to him, Dad, I hope, I hope or I wish I could know Jesus like you do. And he looked at me and goes, I've been here longer. I've been around this longer. I've known him longer. It's relative. I wish I could have it and I still do and it's something that I would desire but he followed Jesus for the majority of his 68 years. He's been around longer. He knew Jesus more. And the important thing is, not that I have the same faith that my dad had, but that we still keep growing. So, we should grow. Now, how do we grow? When you ask this question, you can get in conversations with anybody and everybody until the cows come home. And even if you don't even have cows, you'll be in a conversation until you do about how you should grow. Everyone has an opinion. They'll say you need to do the disciplines or you should go on a long walk of solitude or you should delete Facebook, which would be great, but then what would you look at? And, or you should have fast for 40 days, which sounds terrible. Or you should, you should, you should. And then we have a long list of everything we should be doing. When you think of growth, then instantly we go, I have to do things now. We make a list and then we feel guilty. That's not the type of growth that we're looking for. You don't grow out of guilt. So rather than looking and saying how we should grow, the answer lies more in how do we attain a posture in which we can grow. When we think of growth, we usually think of those things that we do on our own. But there's only so much that you're able to do on your own. Individualism in our culture has infiltrated the church and it's turned our faith into me and my personal relationship with Jesus 
even though if you did a search in your scripture, you would never find personal relationship with Jesus anywhere in there. When the scriptures talk about faith, when they talk to Christians, they're always referencing people in a community. It's always people growing together. There are times when we have solitude, but the times of solitude should always uh, flush back into how you live out your faith in your community. Jesus would retreat and have times by himself, but he would always come back to the community. They would always come back to the group. One of the best illustrations I've seen of this, of we grow together, is in Luke 5. And it wasn't until a few weeks ago where Carrie and I were driving and we're listening to a guy where this just opened my eyes and I was like, whoa, that is amazing. It's in Luke 5. Uh, it's the encounter of that comes after, it's an encounter with Christ that comes in Luke's gospel after uh, Jesus had uh, healed, after he had announced, he had called his disciples, and he's healing people. And so in Luke 5, it starts in verse 17. One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees of the law, the teachers of the law, were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee, from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came, carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this, because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat, through the tiles, into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. So, first things we notice is there's a paralyzed guy. People probably knew him. He was probably asking for money. He's paralyzed. His Jesus is coming. I like to wonder what if, like what's the backstory here? Had he known that who Jesus was, maybe he picked up who Jesus was. Maybe people are talking about it. He picks up bits and pieces as he's on his mat asking for money. And he hears about this Jesus guy and that he heals. And then he finds out that Jesus is coming back to his town. This is Jesus where Jesus lived. And he gets excited. And he wants Jesus to come. But there's only so much that he can do on his own. So his friends come by. And he tells his friends, or maybe his friends came by and said, Hey, Jesus is coming. We need to get you in front of him because if we put you in front of him, you can be healed. And so his friends do everything they can and they go and they find this roof and if you're a roofer, this is your worst nightmare. They scratch through it. It's those flat top roofs over in Israel and they lower him down. Notice with me what Jesus said. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Matthew says the same thing. When Jesus saw their faith, uh, there's, there's a couple things here. Who's he talking to when he says they saw their faith? Who's he talking about? His friends. Good job, Brendan. He's talking about the friends. And then he looks at the man and says, your sins are forgiven. Sometimes in our lives, we need a community of faith around us to bring us to Jesus. Your faith sometimes can only get you so far before you're paralyzed. If you're living on one experience that was years ago, you need to be pushed, and the best way to find that is a community of faith. His friends come, and Jesus says, their faith has made this man healed or forgiven. The faith of their friends. There are times in life where we need others to bring us further than we can bring ourselves. Our community can spur our growth. 
I may have faith in Jesus, but sometimes my faith in Jesus can only get me so far. I need my gathering around me. I need my friends around me to push me on to deeper faith. In order to grow, you need a community around you. In order to grow, the posture is others. Our faith isn't sufficient all the time. Jesus will see the faith of our friends, and it'll encourage our faith, and this man was healed. We need others. This is why we have gatherings. This is why we feel that this is important. If you're not in one, get in one. If you would like to start one, we would like to help you. Gatherings are important to the faith, to your faith. It's the posture of growth. You will not grow on your own, period. You grow more when you have others around you. The second posture here uh, happens in Matthew 9. It's another encounter with Jesus. Every growth moment that we'll ever have starts with an encounter with Christ. This is another one. Uh, it's in, it's one, it's, uh, in Matthew 9, 27. And Jesus went from there. Two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, Jesus, son of David. When, when they had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and asked him, Do you believe that I, and he asked them, do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes. He touched, I lost it. Then they touched their eyes. According to your faith, let it be done for you. And their sight was restored. And Jesus warned them sternly, see that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news to all, to, about him all over the region. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought before Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed. Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees, it said this, it is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. There's three postures here, did you notice? First one we have is the blind men. The blind men were able to actually see who Jesus was, which is ironic. They, they come and they see, this is Jesus. Would you heal us? Jesus asked them a question. Do you believe I can do this? Absolutely. Their mind was open, an open mind. Jesus responds to the open mind. The second person we see is the crowds. Uh, it's been called uh, that their, their mind is blown. They've never seen anything like this. The demons, what? No, this, this dude was, was crazy. This dude was mute. And now, no way. I have never seen anything like this. Mind blown. And then there's the closed mind, the Pharisees. They already made up their mind. This, this guy is a demon casting out demons, which Jesus then replies later on, that makes no sense. They've already made up their mind. There's three postures that we can have for growth. The posture that works, the posture that God can work with is the one that has an openness to it. When you're openness, that means you're saying yes. And so when Jesus tries to, to get your attention, when Jesus tries to tell you something, do you believe this? Your response is, I absolutely do. And then when Jesus calls you, you say yes. Because you're open to his, trans, to his transformation. You're available for his transformation. They were able to be changed. The soil in their life was fertile, and it took root. They had an open mind. If you want to grow, you need an open mind. The, the next thing in verses 32 and 33, the blown mind. Blown minds are great. 
when we're amazed at what Jesus does. There's a warning that Jesus says about blown minds when, he, when the miracle about the bread and, and, and Jesus transformed it, fed 5,000, and then they followed him to the next town and they wanted more bread. Jesus looks at them and, and essentially in Brad's version of the story says, do you want me or do you want another miracle? Do you want to see the pop and fizzle, the fireworks, or do you want a relationship? Blown minds are great. It's great to have your mind blown by Jesus, to have an experience with the Spirit where it blows your mind. It's wonderful, but we can't stay there. Because when it blows your mind, it's almost as like Jesus is talking in the big voice to you, and what you really want is Jesus to talk to you in the small voice, because that means he's closer. We want a close relationship with Jesus. We don't want a blown mind relationship. And then there's the closed mind. Already made up your minds of what Jesus can and cannot do. Your conclusions are done. Your minds are closed. The point is this, that Jesus will work with you and your growth will work with you precisely where you are at. It doesn't work in formulas. It doesn't say if you want to grow, then fast three days and do this and do this. That's not how it works. Sure, you'll get something out of it. You'll, you'll find Jesus into it. But your growth won't be as fast if your mind is close to it. Before you go do something, before we start going through these lists or the disciplines, you first have to have an open mind that you might actually be changed in this. Open up your hands and expect to receive something. Our transformation to become more like Christ is deeply connected to the degree in which we trust him. And growing in Christ means more and more trust to him. If your mind is open, your faith, is grow, your faith will grow because you'll be looking for Jesus. Because you'll admit that you don't have all the answers, that you don't know everything, that you can learn. If your mind is closed, you will never grow because you already have everything figured out out and so if we want to grow what's the position of your mind do you have all the answers Jesus can't speak into anything that you're doing you're always right no matter what you're not going to grow but if you have an open handed posture to this you have a community around you your mind is open and ready to be fed into you'll see growth you'll see a healthy relationship with Jesus form because growing means that you're healthy. We want healthy growth here. We want healthy growth in you. We pray that we have open minds, but the truth is in a community like ours, there are some with blown minds, there are some with open minds, and there are some with closed minds. And so today as Tim comes and we respond, what mind do you have? Where are you closed in your relationship with Christ? Where are you saying, this is already how it is. My mind's made up. I will never change on this part. Perhaps that's the place we need to grow the most. And the truth is, maybe we need to open your minds to a different idea. Open your hearts to the Spirit working in you. And then you will start to see growth. Would you pray with me? Father, we pray today that we would see growth in our own lives. Lord, we pray that you would begin to chip away our defenses, our closed-offness, the way we've put limits on how we should grow, when we should grow, and the way we've dictated to you how you should work. And so, Lord, today we come with open hands. 
and say, speak to us. We're open before you. And God, if we need to have our minds blown before we turn open, then blow our minds with something today too. So that we can know more of you. So that we can grow up. So that we can become mature and keep chasing after what you have done in us. It's in your name we pray.